What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Business Breakthrough. I sit down with a new friend of mine, Joseph Becker. Uh, he reached out. He owns Spirit Contractors in Pennsylvania. His dilemma is he's doing three different types of exterior remodels, gutters, uh, roofing, painting. And he's like, you know what? I want to niche down. I want to just do painting. So this conversation was awesome. Uh, we had to break through. I mean, there was definitely some points in time where I really believe that, uh, you know, he took away some, some information that I was able to assist him with and helping him get started quickly and not only get started quickly. We talk about the foundation, just building that foundation of a company that he plans to scale. So at any level, whether you're just starting out or you have a business, Tune into this one. It was a fun episode. I think you're going to enjoy this business breakthrough. The big question you need to ask yourself every day is, do I own a job or do I own a business? And unfortunately, the majority of contractors out there own a job. That's right. They're a slave to their own business. But the other side of the fence is so much greener. It's so much better. And that's when you're finally fully in control of your destiny, your freedom, your time. And that's what Contractor Secrets is about. It's about taking back our time, building a business with systems, standards, values, procedures, putting yourself in the driver's seat. And that's what it's about. So I'm excited. I'm happy to have you here. Let's dive into the Contractor Secrets podcast. What's going on, everyone? I have Joseph Becker here with Spirit Contractors. We just met 20 minutes ago through a through our Facebook group and uh, he was kind enough to jump on and I'm here to help you, man. I want to first kind of let's get some background stuff out of the way for those listening. And then for me specifically to help you guide you in whatever way I can help. Let's start off with this. You own a company is your company. Yes. Okay. Spirit contractors right now you're doing exterior remodels. What is the, I say, what are the top three remodel types that you do? Roofing siding gutters and then painting. Okay. So how hard is that to manage all three of those? Because each one of those could be individual businesses. So is it kind of tricky managing all that stuff? It is. Um, it's actually one of the reasons I'm trying to get into painting is because extra remodeling is just a brutal business. Very two of, those, two of those you have to actually apply for permits for, right? Most of the time. Most of the time gutters and roofing. So like you, it's hard to kind of like predict scheduling too, right? It is harder. Yeah. Okay. Weather. So, so you're looking to maybe niche down in the painting. I like that. Do you have guys working for you currently? And if so, are they employees or subcontractors? What does the workforce look like for you? Um, so last year I had three employees and they okay. all left. Uh, COVID just hit us really hard. So now it's just me and I've got all my subs. Okay. So you have subcontractors. Now are you looking to try to try to get some employees back in the mix? Yes. Um, okay. I am. I'm looking into workers comp at the moment. Good. Good idea. So, um, what state are you in? Pennsylvania. Oh, okay, cool. I have a good friend of mine who's in Pennsylvania, actually a couple of contractors that I know, um, work up there. So, um, cool. awesome. So you're starting to starting to kind of venture into maybe starting a painting business in terms of let's kind of start there. Cause I kind of want to treat this as if you really don't have any experience in the painting industry as like, you know, just kind of want to just maybe start with some foundational things. Now you mentioned workers comp, right? So um, how did you pay your guys last time? Did you write checks or what did you use to, to do that? Yeah. Um, I actually had them all on as 1099. Okay. And I wrote, and then I wrote out checks, but yeah, I'm a little paranoid about growing a business without building a solid foundation. I don't That's think I it says a lot about you. I mean, that's good. You know, I like that, man. Cause the, the industry standard is what 1099 and write checks. 
you know, so it's good, man. And there's actually a really good program that I use called Gusto. And I'm writing things down. Have you heard of it? Uh, payroll service. Payroll service. That's right. So essentially, the reason why I bring that up, you mentioned workers comp. They actually facilitate it for you. So once you do your onboarding, they will obviously identify where you are. They will they contract with a workers comp company because workers comp is usually pay as you go, right? So if I have a thousand dollars in labor on a week, they're going to take out whatever that percentage is based off of that labor, right? So every week they take out your workers comp based off of how much you pay your guys. Okay. Wow. And they, yeah, they facilitate that for you. So you don't have to worry about it. That's huge. Uh, so instead of making these giant monthly estimated payments, it's actually yeah, real. Do that. It's pay as you go. Yeah. You don't have to do that oh. any, anymore. Or even if you thought about it, you, you don't, you don't have to go that route, which I love just because it comes out automatically. Right. So I don't have to calculate anything. So I put in how many hours my guys work. Boom. Done. So that's gusto.com. Um, wow. Okay. Yeah. And I have a link for you. I think you'll get a hundred bucks if you use my link. So, and that was not designed. I did not plan on dropping that, but it's going to help you. It's actually one of the, the cheapest payroll services. Part of the reason why is because it's self-serve, right? So every week you would log in. Once you set up, it's cake from there. You just put in the hours your guys work and they get direct deposit and they get a login where they can see all their pay stubs. They get their year-end tax forms. It's sweet, dude. And whenever you hire somebody, they actually facilitate a little bit like an onboarding process. Right. So you'll put your guys email in and then they onboard themselves. So welcome them to the company. You can send out a welcome email. Like you can really like build some, like, I don't know, just some trust with your employee. Like, man, all right, cool. Like this is a lot different than the last, the last guy um, who in most cases really just doesn't have something that's structured. So that's a good start. Right. I mean, hopefully that, that helps a little bit. Absolutely. Cool. So let's transition. Um, you've already worked with employees. I like the employee route. I think it's the best. What are some underlying questions you have? I mean, you're starting a painting business. You've painted houses, right? So application questions aren't there. What is, what is the big question? Like, what is something that you're just thinking, man, like, how do I, how do I overcome that? Like, what, am, what, is, what is that one thing for you? Well, the thing that's right in my road right now is kind of like a roadblock would be, do I stick with spirit contractors? and try to build it as a business doing painting exteriors. Do I keep all that in one, under one roof? Uh, no pun intended. Or, <laughs> or do I just start a new business that says, I don't know, just for example, spirit painter. So when someone looks up painters near me, you know, it's a keyword. hundred percent. All right. So this is a problem. Um, very common issue. And I, I use, I have a, an analogy um, that I'm going to spare the listeners because I use it so much, but I'll just put it this way, man. Essentially, the word the, the 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 saying is "jack of all trades, master of none." You're you're stretched very thin at this point in time, right? You're the you're one guy. You're managing three businesses. That's the way I see it: roofing, siding, or roofing, gutters, painting. Maybe you'll do some siding if asked. You're juggling a lot, and and there's no predictability with you. I'm very weary whenever I talk to remodelers and contractors. Like I want to know, like what's your, what's your niche inside of that? And right now you're kind of just spread pretty thin, which means like, again, you can't, you can't run a profitable business without predictability. That's predictability in your marketing in terms of how you attract customers. That's predictability in your sales in terms of how you convert those leads into paying customers. Then your predictability in your production, that's scheduling, that's being able to find and attract a labor force to do these jobs and keep your product consistent right so like these are all things 
be honest with you, with you telling me how thin you are in terms of just everything. And I know it's not your fault, but these are things that you're lacking. And I know that you, you know this, right? So right. For, for me, it's like, yes, the direction you're heading in with painting is ideal, right? I would give you this advice, even if you weren't heading in that direction, you just said, Tanner, I'm all over the place with my, my contracting business. I would say, well, just do roofs or just do whatever, like do one of those until you perfect that system. And then you have a sales rep for that roofing division and you have, you know, a marketing strategy for that roofing division. And then you have a set of subs, maybe four or five that you can call on for that roofing division. And that's automated. Then open up a gutter division, then open up a painting division, right? Now, I don't think you're going to go that route. I think you're going to fall in love with the painting business because it's quick turnaround. The labor pool is much easier to find. The, the marketing is much easier to attract with before and after pictures, things like that. So I think you're going to fall in love with it. So to answer your question, to narrow back down, I truly believe that you should rebrand spirit painting. Very simple. Just change that white wording at the bottom of your logo there. Spiritpainting.com. You know, however you got to do it, but rebrand com completely, hundred percent. Even if you, I mean, to be honest, like, I'm just wondering, like, is, is your long-term goal to have a roofing division, a painting division, a gutter division, and you know, be this kind of like omnipresent company, or do you want to be the best painting company? That's actually a really good question. Um, I'm not necessarily attached to any one of those trades. Although I really do, I do enjoy painting. It's fa it's a faster turnaround. Um, it's easier, you know, and it's it's I think fun compared to roofing, which is just yeah. brutal. So you're a young guy, right? So so how old are you? Twenty three. Twenty three. Are you? I mean, wh how, where did you get where did you get this itch to start a business? Were you a worker? Or were you a, what's your background? So um, I actually used to have a YouTube channel in high school. It was okay. called Becker. And I what was it called? Sorry, it, it cut out. What was it called? Becker Forge. Becker I made Forge? knives. Yeah. You made knives. Yeah, it was a it was a business I had been doing since I was thirteen. Wow. Okay. So, yeah. So, um, I spent six months in Africa on my uncle's mission, and when I came back, uh, I briefly worked for this guy who had a roofing company. But you know, I just didn't like the way he did things. I have a different moral compass. Sure. So I started my own thing. Cool. And, and from there, did you start it with the idea that you were going to actually physically be on the roof or did you start it with the idea that you were going to create a business and have other people be on the roof for you? Well, it started out with me on the roof and I, I still am now. In fact, I've gone a little bit backwards. Um, but the vision is to have, I really want to scale a company. Gotcha. Um, after gotcha. roofing. Yeah. So in terms of scaling, remember scaling is just duplicating at its, at its core. Right. So when you, you know, if you have, if you sell one job and it's, and it's a bedroom and you can re and you can reflect on what you did to attract that person to call you. And then you found someone to go paint that bedroom. Really that was predictable. You knew what you did to get the lead. However, you figured out how to get the lead. You figured out how to price it. And you figured out how to fulfill it, right? So if you do that X10, so you spend 10 times the amount of money, okay, on marketing, you get 10 people that want a bedroom painted. And then you were able to do 10 estimates and close 10 deals. And you were able to 
fulfill that promise 10 times, that's a scalable business. You might be a, there, you could be a business, bro, that just does one bedroom for people. That's it. You will only do one bedroom, right? And I'm just boiling this down, right? You could be the company, literally, that if you need a bedroom painted, we'll do it. It's 500 bucks, any bedroom, right? And that's all you do. Hey, can you actually paint the bathroom? No, sorry. We only do one bedroom per customer because you're so tied to your predictability. You know, <laughs> you're so tied to your scalability. Now, here's the issue. This is why contracting companies cannot scale. They can't, they can't be predictable because, well, one roofing job is a tile roof. One roofing job is uh, uh, there's different peaks and valleys. One, yeah. roofing, one roofing job, there's weather that is going to stop you from working one roofing job, the sub guys, you know, you know, so, so when you work with subs, there's a lot more, you know, I would say in the, there's, you cannot predict, right. I'm, I'm missing that word there, but you know what I'm saying? In predictability yeah. or that's a, it's a problem. You're exactly right. Um, it seems like I can't scale because every time I try to go bigger, it collapses. Um, well, there is no ability. Yeah, there's no predictability, right? So where, where we're getting closer to is how do we create predictability in an industry that is unpredictable? That's the word. Thank you. Unpredictable. So you have to do whatever you can to be predictable. All right. So for us, let me explain to you how my business runs so you can see how I've been able to do it because house painting isn't predictable. I deal with weather. I deal with things. I deal with this, but I, I have predictability in, in, the, in the three areas, right? So you have three areas. Now, before I go into these three areas and the predictability of these areas, I first want to make sure that you know, there's no such thing as scaling a company that you're physically working in. Get that locked in. You cannot scale a company if your hands need to be washed at the end of the day due to you working on the job. Okay. So if you're on a roof, just know that your company is not growing. If you are dipping a brush into paint, just know that your company is not growing. A company is like a living, breathing organism. Okay. It's either thriving or it's dying. Okay. That's it. There's no in between. There's no stagnicity in a business. Okay. So that means you are the one that can give the business life. You can add water to it, feed it. Okay. That is called selling and marketing, right? And you can maintain it. And by maintaining it, that's just nurturing the, the, the area that it's in and, and essentially maintaining it is what production is maintaining. That's it. You're just maintaining it at, at that level. You're not growing it. You're not giving it life. Okay. So that's a really important concept for you to understand because if you're not giving your business life by watering it and giving it food, marketing and selling the business, then anytime that you spend outside of that, the growth of the business is going down. Okay. So that's the reality of it. Okay. The key is don't let it go down for too long. Yes. You may have to jump on a job. You may have to do that, but don't get comfortable there. That's, that's a, a big, a big thing that you need to just lock in there. I want to make sure you got that. So let's go into predictability real quick. Marketing, right? So how did I create predictability in my marketing? First thing is I just bought leads. Okay. It's predictable. And then the only way to to identify something as predictable is to review the results. So you have to try things in order to see if something can be predictable. So first thing I did when I started my business, many people will knock me for it. I think it's a great idea. You sign up with a company called Home Advisor. Okay. Home Advisor is the quickest way to get leads in your inbox. Okay. And, and honestly, if, if, if it's not Home Advisor, it can be 
There's other ones. There's a, a painting business one, uh, uh, Painter's Choice. There's um, Angie's List, Thumbtack. It doesn't matter, right? So I made the conscious decision to set a budget, invest in those things, bring me leads, predictability, right? If I spend money, how many leads am I going to get? Okay. That's the first stage. You have any questions on that before I go into sales? Yeah. Um, I guess like a lot of contractors, I've gotten a really bad taste in my mouth from home advisor. I mean, isn't it, aren't they basically pitting contractors against each other with the homeowner who just wants the best price? I mean, wouldn't that happen either way? Well, I don't know because in roofing, if I knock on somebody's door, it's a lot different because they only know me. Well, you created the interest. Okay. You knock on my door and you create interest and inform me that I need a roof. And then you come at a price. If I'm unaware of whatever the other, the market is, you know, is, uh, is charging. What am I going to do? I'm going to call another roofing company to see what they say about it. It's a big investment. So whether home advisor gives, gives the customer three options or not, the average educated buyer is going to find three options hmm. at the, at the very, I mean, two at the least, right? I mean, how rare is it that somebody doesn't get another quote after you meet them? I mean, it, it could happen. I'm sure you're a good salesperson, but at the end of the day, I mean, people have common sense and they've been burned by contractors, right? So you get a random guy to come knock on my door and say, I'm going to have to pay 15 grand for a roof. Thank you, Joe. I'll get back to you next week. I got to make some calls. So, so it doesn't matter. What, what would you say is like a good closing rate? Say you're, say they are contacting three or four other painters, you know, what is a, an acceptable closing rate that's predictable? Well, it, it really just depends. And, and we're going to get into that in sales. That's how we create predictability in sales. Let's go back to marketing. Cause you said, well, what do contractors say about home advisor? Reality of the situation is if a contractor isn't a good salesperson and doesn't know how to convey that they're, you know, worthy of getting an appointment with somebody and being, um, having technology in place to make sure that people are getting followed up with appropriately and getting text messages sent and, and investing in things like that, then ultimately they're going to be frustrated and think that home advisor is a scam. When I've used home advisor, I've spent over $80,000 on home advisor in the, wow. in the last, oh yeah. In the last four years, I just, I just closed a $3,400 flooring job for uh, a $29 lead on home advisor. I got five leads for flooring. I only closed one of them. The five leads came out to about 180 bucks. Okay. And I just closed a $3,400 flooring job. So I'm the type of guy that looks at the big picture. You give me five leads four might suck. I'll sell one. Okay. Right. I've already made my money back. I'll reinvest it again. Every single time. doesn't matter. So okay. you do floor. All right. I mean, what else do you do other than painting? So at this point now, now I just know that I'm established in painting so I can have an extension of my company and do other things too. Right. So don't think that, you know, I'm, I'm not taking my own advice here. I only did painting for years. Right. And then now I have a system in place where painting runs itself. And if I need to take on a flooring job or a crown molding job, I have a small two person division that can do crown molding, do flooring and, you know, supplement our paintings, you know, our painting, because here's, here's the reality. When people move into houses, what do they do? They want painting done. They want flooring done. They want all these things done. So if we can be that one-stop shop for people, it's a no-brainer. And it just happened um, that my father-in-law is a really, really good carpenter. So it just, it's great, man. It actually worked out. Wow. That's pretty cool.
Yeah, it's awesome. So, so, but like I said, man, it's a, it's a, uh, you know, it, it's, it's at the right time. So going back to that real quick, I want to just really quick hit on home advisor and these guys. Okay. So the reality of the situation is, is that you have to understand the game you're playing, right? So first of all, customers do not know that you get charged for it. They have no clue. Why would that, why would that matter to them? They just know that they sent home advisor their information because home advisor and these lead generation companies are saying, Hey, we have trusted pros. Chances are you've been burned by a contractor or you've heard of someone that has or know someone that has. So it might be in your best interest to let us take the blow for you here. If I'm a homeowner and I'm not in this industry, 100%, I would use it. You can't tell me otherwise. If I got an advertisement that says, hey, we'll find three painters for you. We'll save you the headache. I mean, people are hopping in cars of people they don't know because of Uber. All right. You don't think that this is an easy thing for customers to do and it'll only continue to be done that way from now on going forward, right? Knocking doors is more dead now than it ever has been, right? So grasp that concept because ultimately this is a startup strategy. This isn't a, you know, this isn't a, um, you know, a long-term strategy. Don't think that, you know, yeah, I use HomeAdvisor, but nowhere near as much as I did in the beginning of my business. So again, going back to that, it's just about the follow-up. It's about calling right away. It's about facilitating the appointment, right? Hey, this is Joe. I uh, just want to touch base with you and, and ask if Thursday at two o'clock works for our appointment, as opposed to, hey, Joanne, did you request an estimate for painting? Uh, and then they freak out on the phone. Big difference, right? You know, so you got you to gotta know, first of all, what their process is so you can fit the mold, right? They don't know really how it works. They're, they're getting random calls from people. So you need to be first. And then you need to facilitate it to where there's not much thinking involved. Hey, hey, Mike, I have you down for Friday at two. Does that work for your estimate that you requested? <laughs> you know, and then he'll be like, oh, let me look at my calendar. Dude, I've been doing this for years. I mean, this is the way you do it. All right. So it's all about converting appointments to, uh, to, to um, converting leads to appointments. But that's just not home advisor. You, this happens with Facebook leads. This happens with website leads. People that actually go to my website, seek us out from Google, however, they put in the information, don't commit to an estimate. So I follow up with them about it. So it's like the same thing. It's like, hey, you requested something on our website. Obviously, that person's a little more interested of, in us because they sought out us. Same, same gig, okay? Let's go to sales. So sales, how do we create predictability there? And real quick, to hit on predictability with marketing, it's essentially looking at your month budget and saying, okay, I spent two grand, I got 20 leads, right? So if each lead was $100 and I sold $15,000, subtract the, the two grand from the 15,000, that was your marketing expense. Now you're, now you're, you're, you know, you're into your gross number of 13,000. You're like, okay, well, I generated $13,000 from spending two grand, right? And that's, that's normal. I mean, I, I, I sold a $20,000 job off of a hundred dollar lead last month. So it's like, now, you know what I'm saying? So it's just about understanding that predictability. You have any questions on that before I keep going? Um, so you're, you're buying, you bought leads from home advisor, um, like Andy's list painters choice. Um, is it, do you think it's too early to talk about Facebook marketing? Um, Facebook marketing is based off of your reputation. It's based off of your social engagement. It's based off of all these things, right? Um, it's never too early. I mean, if you put out a really nice post with before and after pictures, you boost it for engagement, you get a hundred people to like it, hundred people to comment on it. 
they're not going to go click your page, look at your reviews. I mean, they're going to see that everyone's commenting on it and liking it. And then they're going to message you based off of that. Right. And we're not going to go and do research off of that. We trust our peers. So it's just a matter of having that as a strategy. My thing is, is that Facebook leads are not as motivated as somebody that seeks you out on, on Google right? And goes to your website or goes to home advisor and puts in their information. Those people are, are way more committed to doing the job than somebody on Facebook that says, wow, that would be cool. Let me see how much that is. Right? So for me, you're just starting up. Like, I don't, I don't think you have the luxury to spend your time nurturing somebody who is just kind of just curious, right? You want people that are ready to go, you know? And that's why I'm saying, yes, you're going to have to pay more for those people that are ready to go. Google ads. If you want to pay for the lead services, you're going to have to pay more for them. But on the, on the other hand, you know, a long-term strategy is Facebook. We boost our posts. So we'll get Facebook leads all the time, just from letting boosted posts run for the entire month, re-engaging customers into our, you know, into our, our marketing. Um, and then we have a Facebook bot that we set up that asks them the general questions and allows them to book an appointment. So we have a lot of things in place. But again, startup strategy here. We're not deep into long-term. We want to get you going, get your reviews up, get your, get your processes in place, give you some people to, to, to work for. Um, you don't have that luxury. So hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, no, that works. That does. So can we go into sales? Please. Predictability in sales, okay? Essentially, predictability in sales is what your closing ratio is. So if you go to four appointments and you, you close one of them, that's 25 percent closing ratio. Obviously, if you know, if you close two, you're at 50%. So really it's just identifying how many appointments you need in order to hit your goal, right? Of whatever, whatever your sales goal is, whatever your closing ratio is. I know if I do 10 appointments, I have about a 40% closing ratio. Mine, mine went down because we send all of our um, proposals virtually. Now we used to do them in person. It was at like 60% when I first started. Now it's wow. at 40, it dropped 20%, but we're doing way more estimates and we can't keep up with the demand anyway. We have like a one month lead time. So essentially, wow. and I'm not growing my crews. So essentially you kind of have to wait for us. So we're able to alter our pricing based off of supply and demand. So essentially it's like, I'm not worried if I lose out, my closing ratio isn't as important to me as it used to be. I know for a fact that I can raise the price if we're a month out and say, hey, if you want to go with us, this is what it is you know, and then we're confident in that pricing. If we lose, if we lose the deal, no problem. If we, you know, I'm not, I'm not doing it in a, in a non-integral way, but these are the margins that I, I want to hit for my business that I normally could not attain when we need work. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's insane. Yeah. So, but you, that, that's, that's how you manipulate your, your schedule. I mean, number one responsibility of a business owner is to maximize. Yes. Does it come down to profit? Sure. I mean, whatever. I mean, the money's cool. But, and and we, we, we provide an amazing service for people. People need something. They call me. We'll, we'll, we'll always do things the right way, but it costs me a lot of money to run this business. I pay people very well. You know, we do everything by the book. Like these things are normally things that, you know, other contractors don't do. So we usually have to, before we'd have to fight to just say, Hey, we do this, we do this, we do this, we do this. Right. So now we're at a place where we can step back and say, look, we, our reputation has shown that if you go with us, we're a good bet. We're worth paying the money that we would have liked to have gotten early on, but now we're at a place where we can charge that. Does that make sense? Yeah, that does make sense. So that's predictability, right? Scheduling is predictability. So sales and scheduling go hand in hand, right? I mean, ultimately, if I go up to a customer, I can confidently tell that customer, hey, we'll be here. Every one of my customers always gets a date. There's never a time where I say, eh, 
you know, we'll call you three weeks ahead of time. Did you know how much I would, I would, that would drive me nuts if I were a homeowner. So I always say, Hey, February 26 is a tentative date. The only thing that would stop that would be weather. What that does is allows me to hold my project managers accountable. Okay. So that's where we get into uh, predictability and production. So, but going back to sales predictability, right now, here's the thing that you're going to run into. Okay. And this is a big one with sales. You're the gatekeeper. Okay, that's what I call it. You're the gatekeeper. Whatever you allow in the gate, okay, is what you got to live with. If you allow a tile job to sneak into your painting business because you wanted to please a customer, guess what? You got to you got to take care of that tile job, which is going to throw off your predictability, right? That's Same thing, you know, I mean, it happened. You know why I can use that analogy? Because it happened to me. I let a tile job in, took me two weeks on a bathroom for 500 bucks. I was so new, eager to please. Wanted to, wanted to take on the business. We ruined the bathroom. I had to give the money back and some for the damages. What a mess. Just because I wanted to please a customer. From then on, I only took painting jobs. Do you know how many requests we get for all sorts of things? Texturing, wallpaper, drywall repair, uh, cabinets. Um, freaking somebody wanted us to trim trees the other day. Sorry. <laughs> we only do interior and exterior painting. Ceilings, walls, trim doors, exterior paint. I mean, do you go to your, your guy who's doing your oil change and you, you ask him if he can, you know, walk your dog? You know, I mean, that's not his, that's not what they do. They want fast oil changes coming in and out. So that's what we do. But the thing about contractors is the reason why they do this, and it's very important for you to understand this, and this is where I tie all this together like a nice little knot. The reason this happens is because they don't have predictability in their marketing. See how that's connected? If your marketing isn't predictable, then your sales isn't going to be predictable because ultimately you're not confident in the marketing to bring you jobs. So what do you do by default? You take whatever comes your way. Does that make sense? Yeah, that's accurate. So ultimately the benefit of going with these lead services, they actually will send you the type of jobs that you want. So for the first six months after that happened, I'm like, we are only doing exterior jobs. We are not good at interior. Our guys can't even cut a straight line because I had a bunch of greenhorns working for me, man. Friends from high school started out from the bottom, bro. You know, anybody that had a, had a pulse, come on and we'll, we'll work, you know, and inside, man, we ruined somebody's like ceiling, bro. I mean, just from the poor cut lines, I had to call in a friend from an hour and a half away just to come in and fix all the cut lines on the ceilings. Cause we didn't have anybody, including myself with that level of skill. So I said, we were just doing the exteriors. So we set it up to where the marketing would only bring us exterior leads for six months. And then that allowed me to create predictability. Did people say, Tanner, can you do the interior? Sorry, we're only taking exteriors right now. We're not confident yet in our ability to do interior. They were like, what? Really? Yeah. Hmm. So, so that that's, and, and I like one word that you said that stood out to me, tells me you're going to be successful. Is like, you, you, you care about the foundation. I spent a lot of time on my foundation. That's why we're strong. We can grow as high as we want. A lot of companies try to go too far and their foundation is built off of sand, which is, you know, I mean, eventually, you know what happens. So, yeah. so I think I covered predictability in sales. I think you got that pretty good. Do you have any questions on that? Um, no, that, yeah, that makes total sense. I guess, how do you do, how do you work out your pricing? Um, I don't feel like I really know how to, I basically just go by the square foot, but whenever I talk to painters, they never do by the square foot. Don't talk to painters, talk to painting business owners. Big, big thing there. Okay. So the difference is 
predictability, right? So in terms of your estimating, predictability is having a metric, which is square footage. If I'm only taking full houses, I don't ever have to think about my pricing. It's always, this, it's always based off the square footage, everything, okay? The customer is going to see what we want them to see, okay? So if I want, to, if I want two grand for a job and a house is 2,000 square foot, I'm going to show the customer that I'm charging $1 per square foot. That just makes us look like we didn't just randomly write a number down because ultimately the square footage means nothing to me. It's just something I show them. Okay. Cause it, it should, it doesn't mean anything to anybody. Nobody's going to come into a house and say up 2,500 square feet. I'm going to be here for 14 hours and 26 minutes. But if it were 2,100 square feet, I'll be here for 14 hours and 10 minutes. You know, it's like the, the square footage is so like, it has nothing. It's just a metric. Right. So the metric is going to essentially just give you credibility with the customer. So the way you estimate jobs is cost based pricing. So essentially, you as the business owner remove yourself from the cost. Okay. Cause you're an overhead expense. This is where we get into job costing. Okay. Job costing is essentially in the painting business two things you got paint and you got labor. That's it. Okay. Now, obviously, yes, there's materials. If you want to factor that into paint, you can. I just separate it because we use more, we use materials on all of our jobs. Like if I get a roll of tape, I'm not going to divide the cost of the tape in half if I only used half of a roll of tape on a job. So separate that, have a, have, have, you know, that is a bulk item for the month, right? So when we're job costing, we want to look at paint and labor. So the thing that you're going to have to learn, and this is only through experience, no one can teach you this. This is who you hire. To, to determine how fast they work and how efficient they are. So that's your labor. Okay. So you need to look at a house when you estimate it and say, okay, this is a 1800 square foot house, right? It's stucco or it's whatever siding you guys got up there. Do you guys got stucco up there yet? Yeah. We have a lot of stucco. Yeah. It's probably new, right? It's coming. Probably started down here. It's the cheap stuff, but you know what? It's great for you because it always needs to be maintenance. I mean, it's, 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 you know, it's, it'll keep you in business forever. So anyway, so you would look at a house and say, that's going to take us one day to do with my team of three, right? So you would look at it and say, okay, how much does my team of three cost me for the day? Let's say for the example here, it's 500 bucks, okay? To staff your team of three for eight hours. So you know that in order to do that job, it's 500 bucks, okay? You know that that's what it costs you out of your pocket to do the job, 500 bucks. Now you got to figure out paint. You'll learn this, but you can always go higher if you're scared. Just go 15 gallons if you think it's going to be 10 in your pricing, okay? Because ultimately, you have every right to mark up whatever you want. I mean, there's only two things you can mark up, and that's painting and, I mean, that's paint and labor. So you have the ability to do that. So you would go in and you would say, all right, well, how much does it cost me for 15 gallons of paint? And if 15 gallons of paint for you is uh, $50 a gallon, so that would be 750 bucks. Your total cost for this job is 1250 bucks. Okay. So that's your cost out of pocket for paint and labor right there. 1250, bro. You're, you're looking at house. So if I go up to house, uh, it's a one day job for my team of three. They can get it done in eight hours and it's going to cost me 750 bucks in paint, which is a lot, a little high, but follow me here. Now you have to determine at this point, how much money you want to make reality. The situation, man, is you could sell this job for 1251 definitely get the job customer will be thrilled, but you won't make a profit. You make a dollar, right? Right. You want to sell a job for $1,251. Perfect. I don't know how happy you'll be, but you could sell it and the customer will be thrilled, but you only make a dollar, right? So hmm. we don't want to do that. We want to sit, a, we want to hit a margin. We want to hit some sort of margin. We got to identify our margin. Remember pre predictability. Okay. 
margin we always want to shoot for is 50%. Okay. Now worked into that 50% is all your overhead costs. It's your salary as a business owner. That's going to be the materials that we didn't factor in. It's going to be your trucks and equipment and all that, all the stuff that it takes to run a business. And then buried a little bit deeper inside that is your net income. That's everything after expenses. That's the good stuff. That's what we get as business owners. Okay. So if we were to price this job out at a 50% margin, we just multiply our cost by two. Super easy. So if we multiply 1250 by two, I would go up to this customer and say, okay, miss, in order for us to do this house, it's going to be 2,500 bucks. Okay. Huh. Because you want to make 50%. But guess what? If she looks at me and says, oh, goodness gracious, Tanner, I can't pay that. I'd say, well, well, let me ask you, what, what was your expectation? Well, she's like, I had it painted 50 years ago and they charged 2300 So let me ask you, if somebody said that to you, what would you do? I would ask them if they thought that inflation was... <laughs> <laughs> I love that, dude. That was a good answer, man. Um, perfect. But but reality of the situation is, you know that we priced it out at 50%. If we go to 2300 wouldn't that allow us to fall somewhere between 40 and 50% profit margin? Somewhere in there. Right. That's a good profit margin, if you ask me, if you need a job, right? Yeah. If you really needed a job and you'd say, you know what, Miss Jones... I'll do it for 2300 if you allow me to earn your business today, right? Because you know your numbers. You have predictability. You know that you could sell that job for nine. You could sell that job for 1251. You could stay there for the whole afternoon, work her down dollar by dollar to 1251, and you'll get a deal, right? Because you're not making anything and she's going to be blown away. But that's where in the beginning of this, you know, this, this chat here, I told you that my price fluctuates, right? Based off the market. You see, now, now hopefully it makes sense that. I'm, I'm shooting for 50, 55% now on my jobs, as opposed to when the, the pipeline was dry, I'll go down to 30, 35%. People are getting deals. You see wow. what I'm saying? And we incentivize based off of that. Like I'll say, Hey, listen, I have a wide open schedule. I can, I'm looking at your quote here. I can bring it down to 2000 instead of 2,500. Would you like me to earn your business today? Absolutely. Tanner, you know, but ultimately I'm not doing that when the schedule's full. You think I'm calling people giving out deals? No, there's no reason to. You know, and that's what makes deals even, even, uh, even better because they don't come out all the time. So you know, we don't want to be a company that's just known for just dropping the price. You know, we want to be the company that says, you know, if there's an opening, you'll be incentivized if you go with us, you know, and that's how, that's how we, we try to be. So that, that should help you understand that pricing, don't spend too much time figuring it out. Just figure out how much you want to make. You know, don't sit there and measure cracks, please. And, and caulks and I call it the <laughs> I call it the 595 rule. Okay. 5% of your time needs to be figuring out the price. 95% of your time needs to be building a relationship with the customer. If you're spending more than 5% calculating a price, you need to redo your entire pricing structure. Because something's way off unless you're new and you don't know how long a job is going to take. Okay. Like but again, this goes to predictability. Now, if you, if you bring me into a house and tell me to remove wallpaper and tell me to install a backsplash and tell me to do things that we don't normally do, what's that going to do? I'm going to sit there in my truck or car for, for a half an hour trying to figure it out. And, and at that point in time, you should say, you know what, maybe I shouldn't take this job because, you know, because I want to know how fast I'm going to be able to get to the customer. So I want to be able to deliver that with confidence because chances are 
I will run into people that want the job done urgently. I don't want to say, well, I'm not sure if I can get here next week. I'm going to say, yeah, if you hire us right now, I'll be here next Thursday and we'll have it done Friday. Predictability. I know my team can get it on two days. I have an opening Thursday and Friday. I have employees. They don't work for anyone else. I don't have to worry about asking them if they're busy. No, these guys work for premium painting two days. I, I love your call to action. If you allow me to earn your business today. Um, what do you do when someone says, all right, uh, I need to think about it. Oh man. I, I, I get excited. I get excited. <laughs> and I say, usually, usually when I hear that Mr. And Mrs. Homeowner, chances are it's because our price doesn't align with, you know, uh, uh, an idea of what you thought the job would, would cost. And may I just ask you, have you ever hired a house painting contractor before? And they would say, well, well, yeah, we have. Like, I'm just, all I try to do is get around that and open up the door to more conversation, get more information, more conversation, more information, right? Well, Tanner, well, I'd say, well, cut Mrs. Customer. Well, when, you know, what was that process like? Well, well, it was okay. I mean, um, they, they did an okay job. Well, can I just ask you real quick? And I, I don't want to take much of your time because after they say that, they're thinking I'm going to leave. And I don't want them to think that I'm pressuring them. I just want to make sure that they're not comparing me to, a, to the wrong person. And, and you got to remember that people don't like do painting a lot. Like it's not a frequent thing. So ultimately, like, it's not like going to a restaurant, you know, you, you know, the process. We do things way different than 95% of contractors around here. So I want to make sure that their expectations are in alignment with what we're providing so they can justify our price better. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. So they'll say, I'll say, well, what was that process like for you? And they'll say, well, Tanner, um, you know, it was one guy. And, uh, you know, he did a pretty good job. Oh, I said, one guy. Okay. I said, what were some things that you didn't like about, um, you know, the process? Well, you know, I mean, he, he was kind of late and it was, you know, he left the job in between, you know, so he would work three days and leave the job. So right there, I'm locking that in. Okay. So they care about punctuality. Number two, they care about consistency, right? So now I'm going to say, okay, great. I'm so glad you shared that with me. Listen, I know that, you know, from what I understand that, that kind of was, you know, tough situation to deal with, with him not showing up on time. You'll love this about us. We're a company that has systems and, and processes in place. We actually have a time tracking app that all of our employees have on their phones. So we actually can see when they get to the job. This just holds everyone accountable. And not only that, we actually will provide you with a project manager to ensure that he's here to make sure everybody gets here on time. So we, that's one thing that we focus heavily on is being on time. And then I would say, you know, the next thing you said that he left the job, you know, it's common with a lot of guys that, you know, do painting by themselves. Like they get tired. It's a, it's not, you would agree. This is a big house, you know? So, you know, this, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough job. And then I would say, well, reality situation is we come in with a team of four and no one gets tired because we're all sharing the workload. You know, that's the beauty of hiring a company like us. And, you know, with, with that, we're providing you so much value in regard to the, the labor that we're giving you to do this job, that that's why our price is a little bit higher than what you may have thought it would be. And just curious, you know, would you, would you care to share with me what you thought the price would be? And then I try to find out what that, what that expectation is. Cause for me saying that guarantee it changes from what they thought it would be. And they'll shoot out a number. Right. So before I said that it could have been two grand and then they're like, Oh, well, he's right. You know, th that would be worth more. And they're not going to say two grand after I just said that. So they'll go up to what they thought it would now, now the new, the new thing that they, the new price they think it's going to be because of what I just said. And they might say, well, we thought it would be about 2,500. And if I'm at three grand, I know that I only have to close a $500 gap. So I say, listen, great. We are not that far away, you know, and then it's up to you. How bad do you need the job? Do you want to close it at 2,500 or do you want to try to build $500 more value and hang in there? 
you know, and, and if, you know, I've done it, I've hung in there and I'd say, listen, let me real quick, if you don't mind, everybody have a second here, you know, and I'm always trying to be, be, be uh, you know, I just want to be empathetic of their time. I want to make sure that I'm not overstaying my welcome. I don't want them to think that I'm pressuring them. I just need to get as much information into their minds about us as possible so they could justify the pricing. Because again, not everyone's going to do it like us. You know, you seem like you have a lot of integrity. You want to do things the right way. You just got to remember that not everyone does that and they don't know that. So the other two guys that are coming might be that one guy that's pricing the job half of what it is for you. But remember, they're getting what they pay for. They're, they're paying for labor for one guy. We have a business owner that needs to make money off of that. We have two project managers. We have a supervisor. We have you know, a, a structure in place and you're getting all that. So you get communication, you get, you know, text messages, emails, you get, you know, we'll come back and do touch-ups if necessary. So all that stuff helps take their expectation of what they thought it would be to essentially what the price needs to be. And you're building, you're, all you're working on is just closing that gap. Does that make sense? Yeah, that make that makes sense. So, you know, when someone says they need to think about it and uh, well, here, here's a question. Will you ever close an investor? I just gave a quote to an investor and no matter, as soon as I start talking about, you know, hey, listen, I understand. What do investors care about? I mean, you know this. I mean, all they care about is what? The bottom line. They want to make a return. Homeowners don't care about a return. So it's like, that's a different business. Like if you do work for investors, that to me, that's a different business. They just care about volume and how quickly they can flip. Like if you, they look at a house and don't see it as their home. Right. So they don't care what type of worker comes in there. They know that they have insurance. They know all these things. Right. So the mindset of an investor is how can I save as much money on pos as possible? As special as we believe we are, they do not care about you. You are a means to an end. When you're working with a homeowner, what are you? You're the end. Right. You are the person. Like they thought about it. They seen their neighbors had their house painted. They're a little nervous because they know it's a process. They they want to canvas people. They're they're they they value their home. An investor doesn't value their home or the See, home. They, the invest, if it's his personal home, different ball game. But if it's a flip, that's where I'm going with that. Would you even take an investor like that? Would you even waste your time talking to them? I tell them straight up. I said, we're not the cheapest. I, I, I don't even waste my time. I'll say, listen, we are not the cheapest company. And I'll say this and not in a rude way. I'll say, listen, I understand that in most cases when investors have approached me, it's about the bottom line. I'll tell you right now, we do bring four painters to every job. That does require us to have a higher than average labor cost. Is that something that you're interested in working with? And I'll even shoot out a range. Say, hey, you know, it's going to be within this range here. Is that is that within the budget? Straight up. Hmm. It's happened once or twice where people didn't care, but not, I mean, in, in comparison, it's just, yeah. I mean, it's not, I don't even, I'm a, I'm a homeowner company, man. Cool. No, I like it. Last part production, predictability. Okay. One word employees. That topic's done. <laughs> now, yeah. I saved that for last. That's it, man. Employees, man. Don't, don't waste your time with the subs, build a team, build, build, build morale, build a company. Don't rely on another company to help you build your company. That's the stupidest thing ever, man. I'm sorry. I mean, it's just the way I've done it. I've experienced subs. They only care about themselves, man. So guess what? You know, you can run a company with subs, but just know that they are not loyal to you. The only thing that you're good in terms of for them is providing a paycheck. But remember, when you price out jobs for a sub, you're pricing for profit for two companies, their company, they need to make a profit and your company. So guess what? What does that do? That makes you have to sell the jobs way higher, lower closing ratio, 
no predictability in your scheduling. You can't emphasize how great Chris is to the customer because he's not your employee. He's just a subcontractor. And yeah, I guess when you establish yourself, if I wanted to do subcontractors to handle the overflow and I built good subcontractor relationships, 100%. But we're talking startup here. We're talking you getting off the ground. Again, foundation. You need an employee foundation before you do subs anyway. Starting a company with just subs is, is a bad idea. So a couple of questions. Um, do you think that I should just start hiring right away or should I get my hands dirty first and build my system? Get your hands dirty first, right? Just know that you're not going to grow and scale that way. It's good. I got my hands dirty. I painted for six months. Okay. And then what you're looking for is somebody to help you alongside you and somebody that you see taking your place as the house liaison to talk to the customers, to ensure that quality is being there, to keep other people accountable. You're looking for somebody that you can trust. Forget the skill set. You could teach house painting. Homeowners do it. So why can't we teach a professional who wants to do it for their career how to spray a door? All right. So the skill set in the labor pool, I mean, is wide open because skill set for house painting is very low. It's not like cabinet painting. Don't try to do it with cabinet refinishing. You need somebody that's got some serious skill and detail. But with house painting, you can find somebody with a good attitude who you trust, who shows up on time and teach them how to run a job. And then from there, that's when you get technicians in there, people that have painted before, and then you just have him hold them accountable. Because ultimately, you want, you want to be a customer service company. You want somebody who's on those jobs that can read a customer. If they see a customer's upset, you want to make sure that that person can go in there and say, hey, just so you know, I, I could tell you're a little frustrated. We're going to try to get all this cleaned up for you today. You know what I'm saying? Like that type of guy. Um, that's how you build a business. How, how does your pay structure look like? Um, I feel like the one nice thing about subs is they're motivated to get the job done because they're not wasting hours away. Just burns them out, right? I mean, what, what type of people do you want that just try to work as fast as they can to, to maximize their income? So ultimately, if you have employees, you just set a schedule. I mean, you know that if you have two jobs for the week, one's a three-day job and a two-day job, just say, hey, guys, you got three days on this one, two days on that one. As long as the workload isn't too heavy and they have a team around them, bro, the, people aren't like that. Like you got to make sure you're hiring the right people. But if you have a sub crew that's trying to dominate the house and they don't even talk to the customer because they're just trying to maximize their income, poor business. So what is the primary thing that should be motivating the right employee? What are they motivated by? Because clearly that's different than what we're motivated by. Absolutely. Stability and security. hundred percent. Those two things right there. That's what employees look for, stability and security. How do you create stability in a business? You have a payroll structure. You make sure that you pay every week on time. You provide work for them. That's what they sign up for. They're loyal to you because of that. All right. And ultimately, in this business, all you got to do is be a good person as a business owner and you'll attract good talent because the contracting industry is full of individuals who have been treated poorly and that's all they know. And if, if, if that's all they know, then they, they don't know how to motivate individuals just through being a good person, just caring a little bit about what's going on in their life. They need a day off. No problem, man. I'll, I'll cover for you. You know, just build loyalty and loyal people who know that their boss has their back. Don't try to skimp out on jobs because they're not getting hours or they want to stay on the job longer because they're going to get more hours. I guys want to go home at the end of the day, man. They bust their butt. Like they're not going to hang out for an extra hour to make 20 bucks. Yeah. 
you know, and I'll, I'll be like, what are you doing there? Oh, I'm just sitting on my trunk. <laughs> you know. Um, so last question then you had mentioned to grow and scale. You have to be, you basically can't wa- be washing your hands at the end of the day, but how do you, how can you be a leader if you're not at the front of the lines, you know, leading them, you know, getting your hands dirty first. I think they'll see that initially. I think that that's part of your foundational model is, but ultimately leadership doesn't need to be seen on the job. Leadership needs the, let me tell you this. I don't go to any of my jobs. My guys sometimes don't see me for a month at a time. And that's not because I don't, I don't communicate with them. We talk on phone, text, chat. They know that I'm present, but guess what? They know that every day they wake up, what, what do they have work? They know it doesn't just fall from the sky. That's, that's all they, that's all they need to know is that, Tanner is making sure that there's work. That's it. They don't need to see Tanner get his hands dirty. Don't get me wrong. If I pull up to a job site, I'm not going to point fingers. I'm the type of guy I'll pick up trash. You know, I'll, I'll get my hands. They know, they know that like, but guess what? They know also that I'm better for the whole away from the jobs, communicating, marketing to customers, scheduling, sending uh, pricing, not estimating. I have somebody that does pictures and estimates and goes through our process I'm better here because I have the, I have the full scope of what's going on in this office. I can't do any of this on the road, especially here, man. The roads are just like, I mean, they just keep going. So it's just like, it never ends. I mean, one appointment's usually 50 minutes away from the next one. So where, where are you? Located? It was dangerous in the beginning. Cause I just couldn't get off my phone. So I'm glad I'm here. What's that? Where are you located? Central Florida. Nice. Well, I just took like six pages of notes. I mean, I, I can't thank you enough for your time. That was really, you just knocked out almost all my questions. That's pretty that's great. Why, that's why I do this. So check out, check out the other episodes. I got a bunch. Um, keep asking questions in our painting contractors group, the community. We're all happy to help. You know, that's part of what we're doing. So thank you, man. I really appreciate you uh, giving me the opportunity to help. No, thank you very much. No, I'm, I'm gonna, you've uh, set the record straight on a bunch of things for me. So I'm, <laughs> Awesome, man. Awesome. Hey, I just want to take a second to thank you for joining me here on the Contractor Secrets Podcast. Um, I'm just going to take this opportunity to let you know that my passion is coaching people, helping people. Um, I've changed my Instagram name to at Contractor Coach, and I did that because that is my passion. I want to help you. So please reach out to me. If you have an issue going on in your business, send me an email. Find me on Instagram, message me, and let's do a breakthrough session. I want to work through your problems in your business to help you get to that next level. And, and one thing that I always say is this, you know, the difference between those that get over the humps and the hurdles in business is just a change in perspective. And that's what I plan to offer you. So get with me, message me, allow me to help you take your business to the next level.